We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. We're talking Chase Edmonds, Darius Geis, and the lifetime remaining value of a number of veteran running backs on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Deal Dash in the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Of course, Bet Online, still one of our sponsors. And Matt, we are kind of in the middle of an odd time here with the MLB starting, the NBA is about to be starting up. We have the NFL on the horizon. Seems like we're going to get a season. How are you managing taking in all of this betting information that is available to you now and, uh, you know, trying to get through all of the content that you do? Um, it's almost as if you uh, set me up perfectly to uh, give a, um, I don't know, like a PSA on the Action Network app, which uh, everyone should download and be using. Like, honestly, I read a lot of the content at Action Network. Uh, and then I know that I don't know anything about MLB. And whenever I try to bet based on my own insight uh, for baseball, I lose. 
uh, and pretty much the same for basketball, although I'm a little bit better there. Um, but when I follow some of the people who are really sharp uh, in the Action Network app, uh, I, I win. So that's pretty much what I do. I just I follow some of the, the experts in there. Uh, Sean Zarillo, Colin Wilson, Stucky. Those are the main people that I follow, uh, especially for baseball. And then Justin Fan for basketball, whenever that kicks, uh, that kicks back up in just a little under a week. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I read, but honestly, like I don't bet based on my own, my own intelligence on sports where I, I know that I know nothing. Um, so I just pretty much tail other people who are much sharper than I am. Uh, and then also I just don't bet all that much on it because I don't, um, I don't want to bet much on something that I know I don't know anything about. That makes sense. Um, and as far as the NFL betting goes, that one I have to assume you're relying some more on your own information. Yeah, un- unfortunately, I I know enough um, to damage myself, <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, yeah, for that I I mean I always pay attention to you know what sharp people say, but on that uh, you know I generally follow just my own um, my own research there. Right now, as far as the NFL season goes, I would say two to three weeks ago I was starting to get pretty worried. I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, as we sit here recording on this Sunday night, July 26th, of course, you know, with the a situation as weird as the one that we're in, who knows what can happen, but are you feeling any better about the fact that we're actually going to get somewhat of a normal NFL season? Yeah. I mean, every week on the Sirius XM show, Chris Raybon and I, you know, talk about it. And a week ago, I thought it was, I mean, maybe I was optimistic, but I, I said 97% chance. I thought we had a season. Um, and I still, you know, I think it's about 97, maybe now it's 98%. Um, I think the big questions are, does the season start on time? Do we get 16 games? Is there any stoppage in the middle of it? Um, do we end up having some situations where we have uh, a whole bunch of players who are out, but teams go ahead and play anyway, which means there are a whole bunch of like third and four stringers playing and it feels like a, a preseason game. Do we have those situations? But I mean, I think in terms of an actual season, yeah, I, I still feel very strongly that we get an actual season because the NFL is driven above all else by money. Uh, and I think one way or another, they're going to find a way to get their money this year. The amount of money hinging on the NFL happening this season for so many different companies uh, and people out there is absolutely staggering. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, like me. I mean, you know, yeah. us, you know, like, yes, it's, it's exactly. important that the NFL actually plays this year. Yes, it's yes, very true. It is very important. Um, otherwise, there, there may have been a lot of work put into something that does not come to fruition, which will, will, will really suck. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it is time for this week's FFPC stat attack. In the last two weeks in Dynasty ADP per our FFPC Dynasty ADP tool, and we're looking only at startups here, Hayden Hurst has seen more of a jump than any other player in ADP. However, though, we have seen David Johnson go from somewhere between 100 to the 110 range to somewhere around 65, which feels pretty crazy. And that's in the last two weeks. I don't know exactly why, but that is the jump that we have seen. As a reminder, the FFPC 
is the home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a bunch of tools at Rotoviz specifically designed for FFPC domination. So that's a really interesting jump for David Johnson. Like I said, I'm not sure if that is related to the fact that maybe we're seeing an influx of startup leagues occurring now and there's a difference between, you know, leagues that you might have had that were filtering into that balance, maybe largely from like the February timeframe. Uh, still, it's surprising, though. But what I want to talk to you right now, Matt, about is I'm going to give you two running backs and you tell me who holds more remaining career value right now. Okay. Do I need to qualify this or give you some parameters? Uh, no, but I mean, you're not going to like the way I approach this, but uh, oh, yeah, God. whatever. That's just something right. you can deal with. All right. So let's start with um because David Johnson was the player that made me think of this. Let's start with Kareem Hunt and David Johnson. Who has more remaining career value? I mean, this is uh, this is a bad question. I'll, okay. I'll say, I mean, your outline looks wonderful. You, you've put together a fantastic outline, but this is a horrible question. I mean, David Johnson, I understand that uh, he's, you know, presumably locked in to be the lead back for Houston, and that should still be a really good offense. In the median outcome for this year, he should still probably be pretty good, but he has a ton of downside risk this year, which is why he's someone I'm looking to stay away from, and he's going to be 29. So, uh, I mean, long-term value, career value, it's basically nothing. You know, it's basically this year, and I think that's it. Like, are you going to want a running back who's 30, who, uh, I mean, has been I mean, I don't know who's, who's been trending down for like three years. Like that's just not someone I want any part of Kareem. On the other hand, I know he's in a timeshare, but there's the possibility that, I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but the possibility that he actually wins the job outright, the possibility that somehow he gets traded, but he's just 25 this year. And, you know, we know based on what he did in Kansas City, and even what he did in limited action last year, that he has a ton of potential. So easily, Kareem Hunt is worth more than David Johnson. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you thought that I was going to potentially dis- disagree with you there. I'm not going to. Um, I, will, I will refute, though, you saying that this is a terrible question. And, and here's why. Because we're seeing... David Johnson go much higher than I would expect. And we're seeing Kareem Hunt and David Johnson have similar ADPs in startup drafts. So in, I would in say dynasty in dynasty startup but drafts. Yes. I mean, then so people that's why be, it's a valid question, right? It, I I'm guess just it's a valid it question. It's about, but people are morons. Like what the hell are they doing? Like, well, that's what that's what that's why we're asking you these questions so you can inform people out there that, that when they see this, these people doing this, you believe to be morons. It's not. I believe objectively these people are morons. <laughs> it's, it's not like my belief is that these people are actually morons. David Johnson at twenty nine versus Kareem Hunt at twenty five. Kareem Hunt is clearly 
worth more moving forward. Like there's not a question at all about that. Yeah. So l- let me just try to get another question off of this, right? And this question is this. Let's say that there's people in these drafts and for whatever reason, they're, they're taking the approach of they're going to try to win in year one. And they think that they have a better chance of doing that by grabbing David Johnson um, early. Although I guess Kareem Hunt's ADP is right around there. Um, so this kind of, you know, ridiculous question I'm trying to get at doesn't really hold. Uh, but if you here's, were trying just to, do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, here's, here's what I'll say and, and what I think is happening with this. Right, these two guys are being valued at roughly the same place, which is ridiculous because Kareem Hunt is clearly worth more in the long term. And th- that is what Dynasty is about. And what is going on here, it, I think it's really two things. One, you have people who are overvaluing David Johnson's short term prospects, and that's kind of bleeding into the way that they are valuing him for the long term. Um, and then secondly, they are, I think, undervaluing what Kareem Hunt might be able to do in the short term. And that's bleeding into the way that they value him long term. Yep. Um, but I mean, both of these guys, I think, are probably, at least in a comparative sense, they're priced incorrectly. Kareem Hunt is worth way more than David Johnson. Okay. You're not going to get any disagreement from me there. Let's move on. Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon, who holds more remaining career value right now? Okay. Uh, I think this one is pretty clear. Uh, I would say Joe Mixon. Um, And it's, for me, as simple as the fact that he's two years younger. So that's, I mean, I would say like that's easily the, the winner. But then I would also say, I feel that whether... Joe Mixon stays with the Bengals or he goes somewhere else after this season, um, he's likely to be the lead back. Like, very clearly going to be locked in as the lead back. Aaron Jones, uh, I think this is pretty clearly his last year in Green Bay. Yep. Um, given that the team drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. Um, I don't know. Let me rephrase that. I think there's a pretty good chance that when he leaves Green Bay, wherever he goes next, he's not going to be the clear locked in number one back. So I, I prefer Mixon as a talent anyway. Um, and then especially because I think whatever happens after this year, his future is better. Yeah, I think that makes uh, perfect sense. And then that's actually reflected in the ADP. We have Joe Mixon at uh, running back six and Aaron Jones at running back 14. So it seems like some of that divide that you're mentioning is getting picked up in their pricing. Um, Another pair of running backs, and there's one pair of wide receivers that I think is kind of interesting. But the running backs would be Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. And the interesting thing here is Todd Gurley is saying that, you know, he might sit out if he's not pleased with the safety measures that the NFL takes this season related to COVID. You have Gordon with an ADP of running back 22. You have Gurley with an ADP of running back 20. So being similarly priced. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Gurley is actually younger, but he feels as if he's the older player. And I mean, this is very anecdotal, but I would just say in terms of like his 
his running style and his physical abilities at this point. I think he is more of an aged specimen in terms of what he can Mm -hmm. do than Melvin Gordon. Um, You know, Gordon was actually a desired player this offseason. Got a pretty good contract from the Denver Broncos. I think they probably intend to use him as their locked-in lead guy for a number of years. Um, Todd Gurley was not a really coveted player this offseason. And I think he's in a really good offense, but I don't have any trust in his ability to keep that job long-term. So uh, I'm going with Melvin Gordon, even though he's the older guy. That makes sense. Um, I just want to ask a, a question about them. Let's say that uh, we could inject something into them that brings them back to their full health, their full talent level, or maybe like their peak talent level, peak health. Yeah. How much better was Gurley than Gordon? Mm, that's a good question. Um. I mean, okay, significantly better. That's not like, I mean, yeah. I'd say like maybe uh, 15% better. Okay. Maybe, maybe 20% better. I mean, it, it's hard lot. to kind of quantify that, but I would say like significantly yeah. better because he was, I mean, I mean, an all pro, but uh, I feel like even with a pretty bad offensive line at some points, um, he was pretty decent as a runner. And then uh, a plus receiver, um, like one of the better pass catching backs in the league, especially for his size. Um, and I would say just a little bit better than Melvin Gordon at uh, everything that distinguishes Melvin Gordon. So like Gordon yep. is pretty good in the receiving game for being a bigger guy. But I'd say Gurley at his peak was a little bit better in uh, Gordon, uh, you know, a pretty good touchdown scoring running back, but Gurley at his best was, I mean, like the, the best, uh, you know, touchdown score in the league. So uh, yeah, Gurley uh, clearly better. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm in complete agreement there. Now this, this next question I have for you here, it's, it's the same question, but we're shifting over to wide receivers. And these are two players that are pretty far apart in startup ADP. You have Keenan Allen at wide receiver 25 and AJ Green at wide receiver 41. And I asked this question more because I'm interested in how far you think that AJ Green has slipped and how far away he has become from a player like Keenan Allen. I think we could probably both agree that Allen's going to be the one that has more remaining career value unless I'm way off base here. But how far of a distance is there dividing these two? Um, Are you asking about these guys just because you know that for years uh i've sort of waged this aj green versus keenan allen war that definitely factors into this question yes um i mean i have to go with keenan allen because he's significantly younger um as much as i you know dislike his style um you know the fact is he's still you know, I, I mean, I'd say like in a worst case scenario, he feels like a pretty strong bet for at least 900 yards this year and, you know, probably closer to a thousand. And I could see him getting a thousand yards for, you know, like the next four to five years, something like that. Like that's all within the range of outcome. AJ Green is going to be 32 uh, in about a week. Right. So. It's a kind of dicey situation yep. with him. Um, but for this season, I actually think, assuming he plays, like assuming he's healthy, I think AJ Green actually outproduces Keenan Allen. Um, but I think in Dynasty, it's 
always better to maximize long-term or optimize for the long-term. So I think Keenan Allen should be worth more, but I would imagine that AJ Green is being drafted later than he should be. Uh, Assuming he's healthy. I mean, every year of his career in which he's played more than 10 games, he has had over a thousand yards receiving. I know he didn't play last year, but if you look at what he did in 2018, that was the last time we saw, you know, fully healthy AJ Green. We saw him for the first eight games of the season. He was healthy. He came back for like 25% of the snaps in week 13. Let's not count that week, right? If we look at what AJ Green did in his age 30 season in the first eight weeks of the year, he had 687 yards and six touchdowns. Like he was on pace for pretty close to 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns at the age of 30. And I mean, it, it's hard to know what we should expect from a guy when he's just coming back, uh, you know, from an injury, but I don't know, even though he's going to be 32, uh, I think he's still a pretty special player. So, uh, I think he's going undervalued and Keenan Allen is probably priced, you know, roughly where he should be. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really hard with AJ Green because he is such a talented player and he has been really dominant for a very long time. And like you said, you know, we were, we were starting to see that. Unfortunately, though, now we have some questions, uh, but maybe that's kind of lowering him further down than he should be as we head into 2020. You know what? Can I can I ask an, a question to kind of follow yes. up on this? Yes. OK. Keenan Allen is basically another version of Tyler Boyd, I think. Um would you rather have AJ Green or Tyler Boyd? Mm, I actually think I'd rather have Tyler Boyd. I don't think you're going to like that statement, though. No, I mean, I think it's fine. Like, you probably should prefer Tyler Boyd because he's significantly younger. And it's not as if he's been bad to this yep. point in his career. Even me, like, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I despise Tyler Boyd, but like, I think he's way inflated in terms of what people think of him. But even then, I have to admit, like, okay, he's had back-to-back seasons of 1,000 yards receiving. He's only 26. Right. Um, I wouldn't be a surprise if he had two to three more seasons at some point in his career of 1,000 yards receiving. You should probably prefer him to A.J. Green. But, like, I still think A.J. Green right now is the better player. At 32, A.J. Green is better than Tyler Boyd is at 26. But I have to think of what AJ Green is going to be at 33 and 34 and what Boyd is going to be like at 27 to 32. Like right. Boyd is, Boyd is worth more. Like we probably should want Boyd, but I don't want to want Boyd. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think the other thing that does generate some excitement for Boyd is the thought of what if Joe Burrow really is as good as it seems like he could be given right. what he did in that final season that he had as an Uh, an LSU Tiger. So we will see, but I do want to take a quick break for a couple words from our sponsors. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect and at a price you never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker 
is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code RotoViz or DealDash.fm forward slash RotoViz. That's Deal Dash D E A L D A S H dot F M forward slash RotoViz. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, Matt. I and now would like to kind of shift our focus here. And I want to talk to you about Chase Edmonds, who I don't think we have somehow mentioned in any type of extensive discussion to this point in the summer. If you look at the Arizona Cardinals, given the play volume that they are likely to see, one can imagine even how playing behind Kenyon Drake, he could find a path to some significant usage. I think he might be a pretty good player. My question for you is, outside of Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler Murray, is he the player from Arizona that drafters should be selecting? Meaning, you know, is he a more attractive option at that price than Christian Kirk is at his, and, you know, perhaps Larry Fitzgerald and Andy Isabella are at theirs? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just say no. Um, Edmonds flashed some last year, but... Um, he's a little bit on the smaller side and I have questions as to whether he would actually be the locked in lead back. Um, if Kenyon Drake were actually to suffer an injury and I still think that, um, I mean, Isabella is just so enticing. He's basically free at his ADP and I know he didn't do much last year, but in the limited action that he had, he was pretty impressive, and he's, you know, just because of the pedigree, uh, a second rounder who's really fast. I would expect him to progress this year, and I expect that entire offense to progress. He's going to be ignored by opposing defenses, but I think he could actually get a decent amount of playing time because of uh, the propensity to go four wide in the Arizona offense. So. Isabella, I would much rather have over Edmonds. Okay. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. Um, and I have seen Edmonds getting some love on Twitter as of late. Um, if we forget about those other players, you know, like I can understand reasons why one might be excited about Edmonds, but 125 still feels a little high to me, actually. Yeah. I mean, 
there's no guarantee that he becomes the lead back. And I honestly don't think he's going to work in all that much as long as Kenyon Drake is healthy. So um, if he's not like a very solid handcuff, then I just, I don't know. I, I would rather go with someone else. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's talk about Darius Geis. For those of you that have not been listening the last couple of years, Matt and I both really like Darius Geis coming out of LSU. I thought that um, if he wasn't in the class with Saquon Barkley, it was possible people might have viewed him as the best running back in his class. Uh, So we agree he's definitely a talented player. There's a lot to like when you look at the profile. I think he's a good rusher. I think he can be a really good uh, receiving back. Of course, the poor guy has been plagued by injury for a couple of years running now. He's not in the confines of an offense in Washington that really says or screams, you know, fantasy points galore. So we have two sides to this coin that are kind of contradictory. Where do you fall on guys? Do you think, I guess here's a question, two yep. questions. Now, yep. let me, instead of asking you questions, I'll just say, I think this hinges on two things. Yep. One is obviously the number of games he plays. Um, there's been significant research done that shows that for the most part, uh, the number of games that a guy has played in the past really is not predictive of the number of games he plays in the future. Um, There are some exceptions where if a guy is injured entering the season, then he's likelier to miss a game. So someone like Debo Samuel, who's already injured entering the season, he would be likelier to miss a game. Uh, And so if he had had that injury at the end of last season and missed a lot of games, uh, and then he had the same injury entering the season, then you might think like, okay, like the number of games he missed last year or the fact that he missed games last year, that's kind of predictive for this season. But really, I don't know if Darius Geis, if the injuries that he's had to this point uh, are predictive in any way. He wasn't an injury prone player in college. Um, You know, he tore his ACL randomly in the preseason uh, a couple of years ago, but I I don't know. Like I think that there's a decent chance that people are undervaluing the number of games that he could play. So that's one thing, the number of games he plays. And then the other thing that factors into this is how much he's going to have to split the workload with these other running backs. So Adrian Peterson, if Geis is healthy, is he going to have to share the load with Adrian Peterson? Is Antonio Gibson going to work his way into the rotation? Maybe even like J.D. McKissick or something like that. Like Bryce Love, Peyton Barber. I don't, I mean, there are other guys who conceivably could work their way into a rotation. And so I think that in the median outcome, Geis has a lot of potential and he's probably, if he stays healthy, like probably a high-end RB3. But there's a lot of, and I'd say high-end RB3 because I'm thinking he does have to split time with Adrian Peterson and Antonio Gibson. Um, But there's a lot of downside risk in that Antonio Gibson could maybe win the job or maybe, you know, God forbid, guy suffers yet another injury. So there's just a ton of risk with guys. But I mean, he does have so much upside. I just, I, 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 I kind of don't know what to make of him. 
uh, except to say like his median outcome, I think is better than people appreciate, but his risk is so massive that I understand why no one wants to touch him in drafts. Yeah. So he currently has a running back ADP of 33 and an overall, which that doesn't sound that bad, but an overall ADP of 80. Um, and here's one thing. In, yep. in some sharper leagues, he's going far later than that. Right. So, for instance, I'm in um, a pros and Joes draft that's happening right now. I'm in round nine. He still isn't off the board. And there have been, I believe, about 40 running backs drafted. And he's still available. And, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to want to draft him when he's coming up next. Like, maybe I'll do it, but... Yeah, he just has significant downside, and a lot of people who are super sharp are avoiding him in their drafts. Yep. Well, yeah, what I was going to say was, as talented as I think Geis is, and how good of a season he could have like in his absolute best season, it's just more than I want to take on, because I think that the rest of these running backs are fairly talented, and... and it might not even matter if Geis really is the best player. If one of these guys gets a chance before him, and then there's Bryce Love, too, who who suffered injuries, but I think Bryce Love was a really good running back as well. Then you have the whole situation with that offense in Washington, and it just doesn't speak to a player that I want to have to take who's going with an overall ADP of 80, even though I think it's possible that that running back 33 ADP is too low. It just does not feel like the type of decision or the type of player that you go after, where if you do it many times, it's going to work out. That's really what it comes down to for me. I guess here's a question. Yep. Let's assume Geis is healthy. If he is, does he hold off Adrian Peterson and Antonio Gibson? I think if he is healthy, he does hold them off. Yes. Okay. But, if, but to hold them off, that's assuming that he actually is entrenched already ahead of them, which I'm not sure if we really know that. Okay, so frame it differently. If he's healthy, does he beat them out? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay, then I think we should actually want Darius guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you know what I'm saying? Like, if you yep. think he, he does beat them out, then we should want Darius guys. Right. Um. I guess the, the final thing to kind of... Well, I guess I was going to ask how much the Washington situation does concern you, but for a player that you're getting at that ADP, I mean, you're probably going to be looking at it at a player who's going to have a situation that isn't that great or is behind a very good running back. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's close down with this. Then we're going to move on from there. Uh, this is a very random question, but if you go and you look in the football guys tournament that's being held on my FFPC and you look at the team like the average team drafting from the third spot and the average team drafting from I want to say it was the nine spot that I pulled it was nine or ten the third spot is Zeke Clyde Edwards Hilaire Mark Andrews Robert Woods that's their start the ninth or tenth tenth team sorry I don't remember which one it is goes Devonte Adams Josh Jacobs Melvin Gordon Calvin Ridley which one of those teams looks better to you on paper I think I might prefer the second one. Yeah, me too. Let's say Robert Woods and Calvin Ridley. I think that's a little bit of a wash. Um, I prefer... Let me see. 
I, I mean, see, the interesting thing is here, see, if you try to go through it that way, I actually probably prefer the top team. But when you look at them all together as a, like a, a unit, I prefer the second team. Yeah, I mean, I think Zeke is fine, but I think Josh Jacobs has some undervalued potential. Yeah. Melvin Gordon. Um, I, I'm fine with him over Clyde Edwards, a layer. Um, yep. I mean, Ed, Edwards, a has massive potential, but, uh, I mean, I think he's going way too high in drafts. And, uh, then it's just a question of like, how early do you want to take tight end? And I think Andrews is good as the number three tight end, like relative to Kelsey and Kittle. I think Andrews provides value. Because it's not impossible to see him finishing as a top two, maybe even the number one overall tight end. So I think he, like, relative to those guys, he provides value. But for me, I would just rather build my teams a little bit differently than taking yeah. a tight end that early. So, and, and Devontae Adams, I mean, he's he's going to be, I think, pretty close to the, the league lead uh, in targets over the course of the season. So there's a lot to like about him. I I like getting him uh, and at the end of the first round. Yeah. A quick question for you as far as wide receivers go. So I'm assuming that you have Michael Thomas at your number one. Yeah. I mean, I do. I have to. But honestly, I I think Julio has a a chance of outscoring him, like a pretty decent chance. Okay. So you're going to have Thomas, Adams, Julio, Surely entrenched, I would assume, in your in your tier one. Who else is in that tier? I think that's it. You can make a case for Tyreek yep. Hill, but yep. I think it's those three. Okay. That is all I wanted to uh, get from you there. So that does it for this episode. Matt and I will be back with you again on Friday. I want to remind Rotoviz radio listeners that they can receive a 10% off discount on a one-year Rotoviz subscription. Go to the podcast page, um, or actually, you can now just go to Rotoviz, click on subscribe, and enter the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. You have to do that for the one-year subscription. Uh, and then if you want more information about the site, obviously, head there. You can take a look at all the tools that we have, see all the great articles that are coming out. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Deal Dash, the FFPC, and Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.